Yep. I didn't even check with my husband if that was okay. <laughs> like, I'm going first. <laughs> um, but it's really awesome to be here this morning. It's lovely to see um, some familiar faces and not so familiar faces. It's um, great. Um, welcome to our visitors, brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's good to have you here. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Linda, and I pastor alongside my well, my husband, John, in the youth ministry, and we just really love, love, love um, youth ministry, and it's just an honor to speak here this morning, and um, I am a worker in progress, um, but I am loved by a perfect God, and um, yeah, I just want to share with you um, what he's shown me over the years and sort of revealed more and more to me over those years. So um, I just want to start with um, just giving thanks and um, praying and giving this to him. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every living soul here this morning. Father, I pray that by the sharing of my testimony and the revelation of your life-giving spirit, that each soul with ears to listen would be enriched and transformed by the masterful work of your hand, and you would be glorified and honoured in this place today. Amen. So the topic is uh, the secret place. A secret place um, can probably be best described as a place not meant to be known or seen by others. I'm sure we all have a secret place uh, where we stash our valuables and things that uh, may be harmful in the wrong hands, uh, like our children, (laughs) or like my lollies that I stash in my drawer. (laughs) Uh, in the Bible, a secret place most often refers to the way our soul is in relationship with God. A place where we ponder all kinds of things and shape our understanding of them as we commune with Him. This is a place where I spend most of my time. Even when doing the most mundane of things, I, He can show me the most profound things. I'm sure that's the same with all of us here this morning. By God's perfect design... Mankind was always created to be in communion with him through his life-giving spirit. And I just thank you, Bree, um, this morning as you shared um, um, up there. And I just really felt your, your, your love and admiration for what God had revealed to you. Um, and it just sort of really touched my heart because it was a similar vision that the Lord gave to me this week. So bless you, sis. It's lovely to be vulnerable and open to the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, Yeah, so this life-giving Spirit has not changed. He does not change. Both Old and New Testament illuminate this truth. Like in Hebrews 13, you might want to grab a pen because this is going to be for your um, own personal uh, journey and to look up. Um, And so he can reveal to you um, in the spirit what these scriptures um, want to show you about him. So Hebrews 13, 8, uh, in Malachi 3, 6, in James 1, 17, in Numbers 23, 19, in Isaiah 40, 80, Text me, I will text it to you. (laughs) Or go back on SoundCloud and listen again, (laughs) because it's really dynamite. (laughs) In Psalms 102, 25, 27. In 2 Timothy 2, 13. In Isaiah 
40, 28. It goes on and on and on. It just, he's never changing. And those are just a few of the scriptures that he revealed to me to say that he is never changing. He has never changed. His nature's not changed. It just goes on and on. Um, the word repeatedly tells us of God's steadfastness, his goodness, and his thoughts toward us. I want to go back to the beginning, um, like our sister Bree did, when God created mankind. God's perfect design for mankind has three very unique characteristics, the body, the flesh and bone, which was to be used to both contain and outwardly express a soul, a living being. This soul became a living being because it had three, a life-giving spirit flowing through it. In Genesis 2, 7, it reads, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, our body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I believe um, this is the same spirit where John, in John 14, 6, it tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The life. He was the life-giving spirit. And then it goes on and reads, The man became a living being, a soul. As far as I understand right now, in my ever-growing and revelation of God's goodness, as I understand it today, Jesus, the life spirit, has always been in mankind and for mankind. And I've gone and stapled the page and I can't read it properly. <laughs> in the days leading up to today, I've been communing with God, listening, looking for what it was he wanted to share, me to share on. And in this time, he's kept reminding me that there is nothing secret or hidden from him. He knows all things, which for some of us can be a daunting reality, especially if there are things in our secret place, our soul, that we'd be too ashamed to share with others. Just like Adam and Eve, who were ashamed and trying to hide in the garden after eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you know what? Even knowing this, we need not be anxious for anything. Why? Because we are in relationship with God. We can come to know and understand His nature, His way, His life, His love. Everything He gives and even everything He withholds comes from this unchanging nature. He is 100% for us, all of us, not against us. Daily, as we live in relationship with God, we are, we are being transformed more and more into his likeness. Our souls are being renewed, born again of God's life-giving spirit. To varying degrees, we are all being set free from things that have kept us captive, bound, murmuring, ashamed, broken, selfish, downcast, and unbelieving. And with each step, he is stepping us into the reality of his promises, we no longer need to wrestle with the knowledge of good and evil made manifest in our bodies through sin because our souls can boldly go before him and find an everlasting restoration and peace which can then overflow through our bodies. We're just a vessel. What he is giving to us from his spirit, life-giving spirit through our souls out to our body into the world as an outward expression of our soul because of the life-giving, the life of Jesus alive in us, who has restored what was in us, God's will for his creation. 
So these last few days as I've been communing with God, I've been meditating on these things he's spoken to me and believe in my soul that I've received this understanding as spiritual truth because I have peace. But I wanted him to show me how to share it with you, uh, with others who may be still growing. I mean, this is a journey. Some of us are new to the word. Some of us are new to this walk. So I just wanted him to use me so that I can illustrate that um, in a way for your own understanding um, um, and as you unpack um, the reality of God's goodness. Anyway, ask, uh, after asking this, he brought to mind an experience I had as a youth. Um, this is my testimony. I was around 16, 17, and you could say my soul was troubled, wrestling with what I knew to be right, but doing the complete opposite. Can anyone relate, or am I the only one? <laughs> Choice. <laughs> Inwardly, I was afraid, alone, ashamed and, ashamed and broken, but didn't understand why, and I avoided even trying to understand why, if I were to be honest. Um, and just as a side note, I'm starting to think that um, Jesus was a Māori, because <laughs> uh, he often uses parables, like stories, and you know, us Māori, we like a good story, and um, generations before me, um, intergenerational knowledge was shared that way through stories, so yeah, I think he was a Māori. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave that there, I'll leave that there. Uh, getting back to the story of my life, God was wanting to share. Um, how many of us uh, owned a diary or a journal, or even today owns a diary or a journal? Yeah, Sister Mel, I know you do, sis. Uh, how many of us have ever written our innermost thoughts in that diary or any of the secret type? If not the secret stuff, let's just say you did. And how many of you um, would react to somebody reading that without your consent? <laughs> you would immediately, if you had some stuff in there, you would immediately feel ashamed, maybe, or um, perhaps afraid or defensive about what they might read um, in your personal thoughts. Well, the testimony of God uh, that God's asked me to share uh, relates to all of the above, and I believe it's meant to illustrate how God has always and always will be for us and not against us. Like I mentioned earlier, I was 16, 17, and I was troubled. Um, my soul was searching for a sense of belonging, which Sister Ruth talked about, in all the wrong places. I was looking for it in all the wrong places. It was a wandering wilderness I was in, lacking a sense of direction and purpose. Inwardly, I felt scared and alone, so I masked it with all kinds of outward, destructive, self-serving behavior to portray confidence unafraid, um, boldness, happy, go-lucky person, but deep down I knew, and God knew, this was far from the truth. But God, being so faithful and patient, protected and provided for me, even in the wilderness. My mother, God bless her soul, um, she was a sole parent and a whare uh, to myself and my older sister. At the time, I was only four. She battled with anxiety and depression after her divorce from our father, who she had actually met in the church, but don't despair, um, you know, he had a story there too. He had his way there too. Um, he had a plan. Anyway, uh, after a lot of prayer, my mum's concern, uh, my mum's concerns for me were growing. This obviously wasn't helping her anxiety. My behaviour had been had gone from happy, go lucky, um, preteen daughter that shared everything with her to withdrawn, angry, secretive, and rebellious. One day while I was at school, mum was watching Oprah, God bless her soul, 
uh, uh, where a solo mum was actually speaking about her own troubled daughter. And uh, long story short, this mother uh, on the Oprah show, um, she actually read her daughter's diary. Um, and ultimately, it saved her daughter's life and restored a relationship um, between mother and daughter. Anyway, my mum, uh, not knowing what to do, went into my room. <laughs> and she was like, where's that diary of yours? Looking through my belongings, and she did find my diary. She later told me, and this was many, many, many years later, um, that she really struggled to open and read it, and she even asked the Lord if um, that was the right thing for her to do. He must have said yes, because she went and read it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and um, she, she just told me later on um, that she just wept. Um, she was overwhelmed with grief and guilt and wondering where on earth she had gone wrong with her daughter. Because, um, I, like I said, I had expressed a lot of innermost thoughts in that diary. Um, all she wanted to do was try and understand what was going on. She just wanted to help and get me out of this mess I'd gotten myself into. And knowing mum at the time, she would have been stressing out all day while I was at school, wondering how on earth she was going to tell me. She just read my diary. Anyway, so later on, I get home from school, and her, in her sombre mum voice, how many of us have a mum voice that we do with our kids? Um, she asked me to join her at the table, uh, usually this meant discussion time, and I sat down, and she pulled out my diary. And my soul went from 100... Oh, well, no, sorry, it went the other way. Went from one, well, zero to 100 real quick. Uh, I snatched the book out of her hand. I snatched the diary out of her hand and I said all kinds of nasty, horrible things to my mum because I felt um, violated and ashamed and just like, oh, man, that's so yuck. Like, the stuff that I've shared in there was, you know, just too deep and it was too hard to, to, to share with my mum at that time. Um, yeah, so I, I left the house anyway and I was halfway down the street off to a friend's house and mum was crying from the balcony to me. Just come back. I just want to talk. Obviously, in hindsight, she was just a mother trying to reach out to a lost daughter who was struggling inwardly. I was young and ashamed and proud to be made vulnerable it was not, when it was not asked for. I was doing drugs. I was doing alcohol. I was doing all types of things that would freak a mother out. But all and, um, you know, this is just my mum, our mum. They love us. And if my mum can love or our mothers can love, what are, why on earth do we limit God to that? Why can't he love? You know, my mum, you know, even in her anxiety, she'd probably kick down the gates of hell to save her daughter. And all the, all the time she'd be, like, puffing into a um, paper bag because of her anxiety, but she'd do it. She'd go there. Um, but that's the length love will go. Um, see, we're not living, we're not battling with flesh and bone. It is a spiritual battle that has already been won on our behalf. We are not victims, we are victorious because God Himself has restored our relationship with Him. We can walk boldly, boldly into His presence and live abundantly through the fullness of God's life giving Spirit within us. How? By allowing God to speak truth of His Word, which is Spirit, into our secret place, into our soul. Lay our souls bare, naked, without shame and condemnation. For, for me, this is the secret or sacred mahi, or the sacred work um, in our secret place that's so important for our lives to live from this well living in us. I believe it's um, that we can then express God's perfect design outwardly through our bodies and the purity of His love. This, of course, takes time. It's a step-by-step -step process of renewing with many ebbs and flows. 
He wants to sit at the dinner table and have a cordial a discussion so that we can re- he can reveal to us his unconditional love and truth about who he created us to be in this world. Now, you see, I've always had a little bit of a stubborn streak in me and a desire to do the dumbest of things, um, just to end up uh, learning the hard way. Sometimes um, that's, um, yeah, not benefited me, but... Um, yeah, God knew this. He knew every dumb thing I was thinking, doing, saying, or about to do, and he and did, or have done. But in spite of knowing all of this, he has remained faithful. He has never once left that dinner table waiting on me. He has never once stopped loving me. He has never once regretted doing what he did on that cross for me, for you here this morning. He never once wavered. I count it an absolute blessing to be standing here this morning boasting of my weakness, my weaknesses, so that someone in this room today could come to the knowledge of who he really is and who I've always been convinced he was and is. He is love, period. He is love. When I reflect on the many times in my life like these, I often get the picture of how God, through Moses, set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt and correlate that with our own bodies through Jesus, through, through Jesus, were set free from being enslaved to sin, our bodies. And then going, moving into uh, how God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness and their unbelieving and their murmuring and just being plain ha as far as I'm concerned when I look at it, and correlating that to my soul or to our souls, where God shows time and time again that he can be trusted to provide for our needs, to then stepping into the promised land, from, from the wilderness into the promised land. Everywhere he calls my feet, oh, sorry, oh, oh, sorry, where am I? And correlating that with the victory God, of God's life-giving spirit within me, overflowing out through my soul into my body and out into the world. Everything he calls my hand to put to, he has blessed and promised me that he is, that is his promised land. Everywhere he calls my feet to walk, I will go because he has blessed and promised me that is his promised land. Every vision he has shown me, I will live out through trusting in him to lead me there. That is his promised land for me. Does this mean I won't face trials in my life? No, not of, no way. Does that mean I won't have moments um, where I might try in my own strength to do a God thing? Well, uh, if my stubbornness is anything to go by, I pray I don't. <laughs> I pray that I don't try and do things in my own will. Uh, but even if I did, God always provides a way out. In spite of all of that, he always provides a way. He's seen everything from beginning to end and everything in between. He has commanded a blessing in every single area of my life, your life, your life here uh, um, this morning. If you're wandering, wandering around in the desert, murmuring, whining, blaming, naked, ashamed, humiliated, offended, overwhelmed, then I encourage you to sit down at that table with God, our Father, and ask him what to do how to do it, when to do it. Even ask him why he wants you to do it. Why does he want you to do it? He'll reveal these things to you. But most of all, you can trust that he's won it on our behalf, on your behalf. You just need to step in and step out. I want everyone to repeat after me from, from, the, from the book of Hebrews 12.2. And I will change it up a little bit and put I 
I, everyone, I, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's you. Let's look to our Father for all of our answers. That's us. Um, And I just ask by God's life-giving spirit that you would receive the grace and truth of God's finished work. Genesis 28, 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, the promised land in your life. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We don't need to murmur and like be timid about it. It's our daddy. He loves us. We can go before him in confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So yeah, get into your secret place with the Lord, our Father. He already knows everything, so you might as well just go there with him. Like, yeah. That's me. Anyway, I'm going to invite my husband up. I'm actually excited about my husband sharing because I have no idea what he's sharing about. (laughs) Yeah. Kia ora, church. For everyone that doesn't know me, my name is uh, John Tietor. I'm a youth pastor. I'm also uh, the chairman of Excite Church and the chairman of Impact Northland Trust. And I'm also the loving husband of Linda Tietor. I'll throw that one in there. Okay, so what, what's the Lord? The Lord's been putting on my heart for the last couple of weeks is the secret place is where you're, it's just you and him. It's just you and him, and where it normally, where the battleground is, is normally between your two ears. That's where the battleground is. You know, you come every Sunday, and you, you know, you dwell in the spirit with everybody else, and you're listening to the word, we're praising in that, but when you go home, you know, Monday to Friday, yeah, between, between the ears, you know, what goes on the battleground that goes on in your mind. So I, yeah, I, don't want to go, I want to speak about that today because we all share that. We all share that. We all go through our valleys. We all go through our, mount, yeah, our mountaintops, our nice times, but then we also have valleys as well. So I just want to go in regards to that secret place because that secret place is where you've got nobody else but him. And then that's where your trust is, you know, and, and the peace that he can bring. You know, in those times. So I just really want to, again, I'm a little bit different from my wife. Uh, You know, I do sound bites, and uh, that's that's just me. So the one, sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six. So I've got my grace is significant as one title. Fixing our minds on Jesus is another, and perfect peace is is the third one. The fourth one is trusting in Him, and the fourth oh. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, the fifth one is his disciples, and then I'll close in prayer. So if we could have uh, the first two Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. I just want to talk about uh, Paul. 
when he's talking here about my grace is significant. Sufficient, sorry. But he is to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore I will boast in all the more glad about my weakness, so that, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is, oh no, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So why I'm just bringing that up is because of that last part. We all go through that. Paul's going through that. And he's calling on the Lord. But the Lord is saying, I have given you enough. So what it is is that we ought to go through that. But that's where we grow. That's where we see his glory. That's where we see his peace. And that's where we see his joy is through those times. So I'll just go down to fixing our minds on, on Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And every time... Remembering, when we fail, Jesus forgives. Every time the devil is condemning us, remember Jesus said, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Every, accu every accusation voice that you hear, remember we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. But remember, what has been done for you, that's what it means, is to fix your minds on Jesus. In perfect peace, if we could have Isaiah 23, uh, chapter 23, verse, oh, chapter 26, verse 3, please. This says, I will keep him in perfect peace. If we are lacking in peace or joy, it is because we are lacking in believing something. We are believing something other than what God has said. If we want the fullness of the joy in our lives, where things around do not control oh, where things around do not control your emotions, but your emotions are anchored in the peace and joy. Because you are you're in a constant state of believing God's promises and God's word and trusting in him. You actually live that way. The mind says your mind is stuck on him. God says our part is to keep our mind on him and on his promises. And that this part is to keep us in perfect peace. The mind stayed on him will keep, will keep you and keep you in perfect peace. God has... Uh, sorry. I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. I always want to keep going back to there because that's what we go through in our daily lives 
But are we strong? That's the question. Are we strong? Are we going to the secret place? Or are we going to, in our flesh, and go back into the world and, you know, get all into the, like what my wife has just raised about feelings? Or are we going to trust in the Lord and go to our secret place and believe and go to our having joy in any situation? Even though that it is hard, whatever you're going through, don't let the love of, don't step away from the love of the Father. Stay with inside of the love of the Father. Because where the will of the Father is, there is victory and there is the victory in Christ. So no matter what you're going through, always rest in the Lord. And remember, the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb we are saved. We've just taken communion. That's your faith in believing that it's finished. He has done it. It is over. And it is for us to rest in him. If you are anxious, you need to make adjustments in, in regards to what you're believing and what your mind is fixed on. God cannot control what you keep your mind on. You are in control of that. What goes into your eyes and goes into your ears determines what's in your mind. So if this is uh, Proverbs 23, uh, chapter 23, uh, verse 7. Just as a man thinks within, so is he. These are the gates into your heart, into your mind, the ear gates, the eye gates, and your mouth gate. Whatever your eyes see, whatever your ear hears, whatever your mouth declares, those are the things that you and I have control over. We don't have control over everything that comes knocking on those gates. But we do have control over the things that we open those gates to. Corinthians 2, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. We are destroying speculations and everything on every loft thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Can we also have Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3? A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. So what he's saying in that is that even in those times, he will be there for you. Even though you, you might be a wick and you're you know, just about to get blown out or you're, you're a reed that's just been broken, he'll be there with you. This is not to condemn anyone. But this is to empower you or already or or really awake you to the power in his word and through his Holy Spirit.
trusting in him. So this is John 15, chapter 15, verse 10 to 11. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I remain in his love, I have told you this, so that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete in me. Thank you, Lord. I'm just leading into my closing. So there's, uh, the other one is his disciples. It's John chapter 13, verse 34, verse 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so that you may love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If I love you, if you love one another. So this is my, my closing prayer, and I just want to go through it and just break it down bit, 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 uh, sound bite by sound bite. It's uh, Psalms 23, 1 to 6. So this is sort of like the summary of just what I've been all talking about in regards to what's happening. I really love this uh, uh, verse because it just it sums it up. You know, what King David was going through, you know, everything that was on his shoulders and what he had to do. And then this is, I know, I know a lot of you already know it, but I just wanted to really speak it over today and close out my, my, my message today. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are my rod, you are my staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, Oh, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, just, I had a little bit of a moment up here. I don't know if you guys at the back saw that, but uh, it was the Holy Spirit touched me. everything aligned and I could see the Holy Spirit talking through Paul this morning talking through Dave talking to Bree, the worship and aligning to my word and it was just so good that the Lord we, we all didn't know what we were bringing today but when you see that when you see the Lord in action it's just, yeah, it just, it just gets, it's a spiritual thing, eh? You, you can't really explain it, like, how I'm trying to explain it, but it's like everything just lines up. And it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It's the Lord, and He's here, and He's working through all of us, and the message is very clear on what He wanted to bring today. So I know that there's people here that these were, the message the prayers, the songs, 
the message was here for, for one of you today or could have been many of you. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But I just want you to know that the Lord is talking to you. You know, He's talking to you. And He wants to get close to you. Or there's something that's going on and you know what it is and He knows what it is and it's for you to take away when you leave here today and build on that relationship with our Father. So yeah, I just want to you know thank you. Thank you everybody. And uh, yeah, God bless and amen.